Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, indeed. Um, it's a privilege and always a pleasure to um, present the word of the Lord. Um, and this morning I'm going to be doing it. Um, and I think it's always appropriate to start with prayer. I think that's always a good thing, um, even as we start. So, Father, we are thankful that we have the opportunity to just hear from you this morning. Um, even as we've ministered in worship and uh, during times of tithes and offerings, and indeed every aspect of our service, Lord, we just pray that this next few minutes will be meaningful to every one of us. Um, and indeed, we are believing and we are trusting that we will receive from you, um, even as you direct our lives, as you work in our lives, uh, and as you patiently uh, minister to us in our various situations, um, wherever we are in our lives. Thank you, Father, for being so faithful. Thank you that you never leave us, you never give up on us. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, anybody who is new, first time here? Uh, where? Okay. Oh, right, okay. Welcome. Okay, so I'll do a little introduction because we've been going through a series, so it's good that we sort of um, come together and work together in that. Um, you are most welcome. If you're new, you're joining first time. Um, we love visitors. So please do not disappear before saying hello. So uh, my sermon this morning is focused on the culture series. We are going through a series on the culture here at KIC Luboa. Um, and for those who have been around, you, you know, somebody might be here and thinking, why are we spending so much time on this? Uh, why do we spend so much time discussing this? But it's important because it helps us to understand why, as a church, we focus on certain things, why we focus on certain activities, uh, why we put resources and allocate resources behind certain things. Um, it's really to, 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 to manage and to, to drive through this culture that we have um, in KIC Lubo, which we believe is God-given um, in this season that we are in. See, the reality of the matter is that um, whenever people gather together, uh, when you have one, at least one or two people minimum gathering together regularly over a given time um, for a specific purpose, they develop a culture. I, I think many of you will have noticed this. You'll develop a culture. You'll have a shared set of values, a shared set of attitudes, um, practices within that group. And this is not any different um, in KIC Loboa. You will even notice it in families. If I visit your family or you visit my family, there are certain things that you do that are unique to you guys um, in your family. There are certain things that I do that are unique to me as a, uh, within my family. Um, it happens within communities. One community has a certain culture, another community has a different culture. From organization to organization, school to school, even countries, we have different cultures in different, uh, different, cultures in different countries. Now, coming to the Church of God, the Church of God is one. I think we need to start by making that very clear. The Church of God is united as one body in one spirit. But it is a fact that when different churches or different um, people gather together uh, as a church, we have different 
um, scenarios or different um, attitudes that develop, different ways in which we do things that develop. And some of you will have noticed this. Those who have come in will have noticed, hey, these people do certain things in different ways from the way that I'm used to or the way that I've seen other churches do. Um, an example is the Holy Communion. When we take Holy Communion, um, I remember the first time that that happened in KIC, I was a little surprised because I was used to very traditional, you know, sharing of Holy Communion. You come up front, you get your wine and bread, and then you go and sit or whatever. Uh, but here we do it in a particular way. Uh, we set up in groups because we are very much driving this culture of family. So we, we try and do that. So when we spend time talking about culture, it helps us to really understand why we do things the way that we do things. Um, before we move on, I just want to underline something very, very important, that church culture should always be focused on naturing and spreading God's agenda. It's very, very important. Church culture should always be focused on nurturing and spreading God's agenda. Never, it's never to isolate or to exclude others. So let's just keep that in our hearts. Um, it's really about nurturing God's agenda, his agenda for his kingdom, his agenda for his people, and it's not, never really about isolating others. Okay, Jesus never isolated anyone, and ne neither should we. So just very quickly, in, uh, at the beginning, earlier on in the beginning of the month, we started off by looking at the mission statement, and I think that is hopefully very clear. Uh, it's clearly expressed in our uh, banner here, accepted and transformed to bring God's kingdom into our world. Okay, and then we talked on family. Uh, Moira gave a very good presentation on family, a culture of family, what we are on about as KS Siloboa, and why we focus on family. And then last week, Patrick talked on authenticity. Big word, uh, but uh, very, very important, authenticity. And um, I wasn't here, but I got a chance to listen to the audio. By the way, you need to listen to this audio. They are now live, thank God. So you can actually go online and listen to our audio sermons if you miss out, um, or if you're not around, you can always, you can always um, log in and, or plug in and basically just listen to them. So I listened to the preaching last week on authenticity, very well presented, and it's really about having a balanced understanding because if you're not careful, this word authenticity, as Patrick explained, in the world it has a, a, a meaning that is really not right. Uh, so we need to be plugged into what it actually means, biblical authenticity, to have a very balanced view of what it means to be authentic as a Christian. Um, and if you missed that, please go and listen to the audio, very rich and very, very, uh, you'll be blessed. Um, so today we are going to talk on another culture in K.I. Silubo that we really focus on, and that is discipleship the culture of discipleship. Now, before we do this, I'm going to give a quiz, okay? Um, we are going to go into a quiz, and I know it's Sunday morning, and some of us don't really want to engage a lot of our brain cells right now, so I've tried to make this as easy as possible. And uh, what I'm going to do is we are going to put up a few slides, one at a time, and as each slide comes up, I want you to shout what, you know, what, what, it, what this uh, slide, what the picture brings forth, eh? what, what comes out in your mind, what do you see when you see uh, these slides come up. We'll do them one at a time. Um, and then let's hear from you. 
Okay, so let's start with the first one. Communication. Communication. Anything else? Everywhere. Everywhere. Thank you. Mobile money. Marathon. Spreading the the word. I like that. Spreading the word. What was the country of origin? South Africa. Okay, so we've got some brain cells running. Good. Okay, let's get the next one. Sports. Shoes. Active. Expensive. I like that. Okay. Country of origin. Germany. Probably somebody from Germany maybe identified that. Okay. Good. Next. Uganda, love, I like that, love, you said love, okay, sharing, 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 the, I like that sharing, yes, beauty, colorful nature, lovely warm people, nice people, <laughs> what, togetherness, thank you, okay, let's go to the next one. Sun. Reliable. Reliable, I like that. Africa. <laughs> affordable, affordable, yes. Sorry? It's a logo, yes, but what does it mean? What does it bring? Yeah, it's a positive, okay, there's, a, there's positiveness in it, I like that, you're going deep, eh? Okay, let's go to the next one. Energy, sugar. Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, not for thirsty, okay. Christmas, Christmas, country of origin. Country of origin, USA. The previous one, country of origin was? Japan. Japan, yes. Okay, let's go to the next one. Phones. Laptops. Appliances. AC. TV. Okay. Reliability. Okay. Okay, country of origin. South Korea. Okay, next one. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. There's no logo. Yes, there's no logo. Okay. Interesting. Um, Christians. What does it evoke? And I hope you've encountered some of them in, in recent times. What does it evoke? What, 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 what comes to mind? Jesus followers, love, names. Interesting, okay. Missionaries, God's people, good news, and so on and so on. Actually, um, the term Christian 
was not even used during Jesus' time. It's interesting. It was used in the early church, in the book of Acts, this is where you first encounter it. It was a term that evolved from the word disciple. And during the times of Jesus, uh, his followers were called disciples. Um, and then later on, as the church rolled out, people noticed that these disciples, these guys, tended to behave like Christ. Okay, Christ had come and he had gone, at least the physical um, manifestation of Christ, he had come and gone. But he left followers, and they, they had a reputation. They had a reputation. Um, so whenever people like Paul would go visiting cities, they would, say, you know, they would look around, they, they would enter a city, and they would look around for people who were disciples of Christ. And they would be pointed to certain areas, certain homes, and say, the disciples live here. So there's a certain reputation that these people had. There was something about them that stood out. Um, they talked like Christ. They lived like Christ. They had the same attitudes and way of thinking that Christ had. And so what uh, people of the time called them is Christians. You know, like Christians. So we eventually evolved to Christians. But it's really people who are identified with Christ. And so it's really the origin of the word Christians comes from the word disciples who look like Christ, talk like Christ, follow Christ, uh, manifest Christ, um, and that's really the heart of what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower and a learner of someone. In our case, we are disciples of Christ, so we follow and learn after Christ. A disciple will follow and learn from the person until they really become like the person. It's a continuous process. You know, this word follow has evolved over time. Today, when you talk of following someone, people think in terms of social media. Yes, thank you. They think in terms of social media. And following someone on social media is very, how do you say? It is not really the real thing. If I don't have data, I'm sorry, but I'm disconnecting from you. I really can't follow you. If I don't like what you've put on your Facebook, uh, whatever social media platform that you're on, I stop following you. So it, it has a lot of temporariness in it. I follow you as long as you are, we agree together and as long as we're in agreement together, as long as it's convenient for me, then I follow you. But in the times of Jesus, a follower, a follower left everything and followed. A follower left everything and followed. And his intention was always to learn from the master, to learn from the person that they were following. Jesus said it this way. He says, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. In other words, the disciple should aim to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. So a disciple of Jesus aims to be Christ-like, to be like his teacher and to be like his master. So back to KC Luboa, we seek really that culture. We're trying to really nature this culture of discipleship so that we can be Christ-like. We can be Christ-like not just in church here during worship or during tithes and offerings or during the celebrations that we have, but we can be disciples. We can be Christ-like in every area, wherever we are, our homes, our schools, and our organizations, wherever we are. Somebody actually mentioned when we put up the first... Um, the first banner, uh, the first brand, I think that was MTN, and said everywhere. 
you know, MTN is MTN everywhere. Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola everywhere. It is not just Coca-Cola when you are on a, on a hot, thirsty day, when you are thirsty. It's everywhere, irrespective of where you find it. It retains that um, quality that it has. And so in the same way that we as Christ's representatives or people who follow after Christ, that is what we seek. And that is what we seek to nature within ourselves. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to concentrate the rest of the message this morning on really bringing out that picture, what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, to just paint that picture, uh, imprint it on our hearts. And I'm going to use the examples that Jesus himself gave us because Jesus was very, very specific. He was very specific about what he wanted his disciples to look like, what he wanted his disciples to represent, and how he wanted his disciples to move around and operate while they were here. So I'm going to focus on four areas, and we're just going to go one at a time. Okay. So number one is disciples of Jesus must be committed. Powerful word, must be committed. If you study the life of Jesus, generally speaking, there were two groups of people that followed him. You could categorize them into two groups. The first group was the crowds. I don't know if you realize that. He would go places and crowds would gather and then he would minister to them. Okay? Um, interesting thing about the crowds. They followed Jesus for what they could get. Free food. You feed them today, tomorrow they're like, man, there's a guy giving free food, turn up. Free entertainment. There's lots of activities happening around Jesus. And those days you really didn't have alternative entertainment. So you're like, let's follow this man. He's come from Nazareth. He's arrived. Where is he? Where is he? Let's check him out. Huh? <laughs> Amen. Relief from problems. Um, healing, deliverance, and so on. And it really, it's not surprising that crowds follow Jesus. Um, if you put in, if you combine free food, free entertainment, you are guaranteed to pull a crowd. That's the reality. Now, add in relief from your problems, and your crowd is guaranteed to look for you every time. The problem with crowds, though, is they don't really stay. I don't know if you realize that. They don't stay. They are with you until they get whatever they need or whatever they want, or for as long as it's convenient. And then when things get tough, crowds disappear. When it gets to evening, the crowds go home. It's just no longer convenient. They are really not loyal. Today they will sing your praises, welcome you into a city. The following day they will scream, crucify you. Tough thing about crowds. Now the second group of people that followed Jesus were the disciples. Disciples. Disciples forsook everything and followed Jesus in order to learn from him, to be with him, to be like him. They studied him. They asked him questions. When the crowds had all gone, they would sit with the master and they say, Tell us, we tried this, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? Tell us, how can we get to where you are going? They asked questions. They were very interested in learning from him. And as a result, their lives were impacted and changed to be like Jesus. The disciples were committed to Jesus. So commitment really differentiates between whether you are part of the crowd or you are a disciple. Jesus emphasized commitment as a qualification 
to being his disciples, in disciple. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 27, um, if you have a Bible, you can turn there briefly. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 27. Um, Luke 14. Okay. 25 to 27. Now, great crowds, you notice great crowds, eh, accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, so he's addressing the crowds, he says to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. And verse 27 says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So this culture of discipleship, to be a disciple is really about forsaking others. Now, Jesus is not preaching hatred against these people. Many of these are our dear, beloved people, and God does preach that we are supposed to love people. So that's not the point being emphasized here. The point being emphasized is that if there is a choice between following after these people and they are leading you away from God and following after God, the decision of a disciple is to follow after God, irrespective of the cost to themselves and to their relationships and to anything else that might follow. That's what commitment is about. Yeah? So at KIC Leboa, we seek to encourage commitment in our relationship with God first and foremost. And then in what he assigns us to do wherever we are and whatever we are engaged with. So Jesus should always be number one, that's what I've put here, should be number one in all areas of our lives because we are committed to him. Now, by the way, commitment doesn't mean that you're perfect in whatever you are doing, that you're always going to be perfect, you're never going to make mistakes. It means you have a heart that is really uh, fixed on the Lord, set to follow the Lord. Remember the disciples made mistakes many times. In fact, at one time, they actually forsook Jesus before his crucifixion. But they came, they came back and they remained committed to him to the point of death. All of them, with probably the exception of John, lost their lives as martyrs because of the passion that they had to follow Jesus. So commitment is something that, you know, this, that's what discipleship looks like. If you to paint a picture of, of discipleship in your heart, commitment has to be somewhere there. Secondly is a disciple abides in the word. A disciple abides in the word of God. This is another important aspect of a disciple of Jesus is that you abide in the word of God. To abide means you live in the word of God. You're attracted to God's word. And again, this was emphasized by Jesus himself. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. And in these verses, Jesus is now speaking to those people who believed on him. Leave alone the crowds. Now he's talking to people who believed on him. And he says, uh, John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free or will make you free. So if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So that's a qualification to abide in the word of God. And like I said, Jesus is speaking to people who really believe on him. So he's, he's, what, there's a point he's making here. It's possible to believe in Jesus and not abide in his word. 
something that calls for self-examination. Am I just a believer or am I really a disciple? The distinction is to continue in the word, to abide in the word. You spend time in the word, you love the word. And there is a result to that. You lead a victorious life, you are set free. You live in freedom, okay? You will know the truth and it will set you free. That's one of the consequences of living in the word. The greatest weapon against the enemy, by the way, is not, you know, there's a lot of what I call Christian, um, how do you call it, Christian acrobatics. A lot of things and activities that happen within Christianity, prayers, fasting, and these things are important when they are done right. Um, but if they are done with the intention of just promoting self, with the intention of, um, with the wrong intentions, they really will not set you free as such. Um, the greatest weapon that we have against the enemy is truth. It's truth. Okay? And it's how Jesus actually defeated the devil, by speaking truth. It's amazing how truth can work in the face of lies. You know, the other day I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. So I picked it up and I said, hello. And so the person at the other end introduced themselves to me and they said, uh, my name is so-and-so. I work with this telecommunications company and he named one of the telecommunications company in this uh, country. And he said, um, we are about to disconnect your line um, because you have not registered your SIM card. And so if you want to retain the line, please do the following, A, B, C, D, and he went through the A, B, C, D, whatever was needed. And so I wait until he reached the end of his story and I said, you know, um, first of all, thank you for warning me, but your company has been warning us about people who are sending out the exact kind of message that you're sending out. And this same company has said such people are liars and they are thieves. And you know, I didn't even finish my story. This guy cut me off, and I was left talking to the thin air. Why do you think that is? He realized, he realized that I knew the truth. And this is exactly what happened when Jesus confronted the, the, the enemy uh, with the truth. It is written, it is written, it is written. And then it says, the devil left him. Imagine that, the devil left him. So really the most effective way to resist the enemy is to know the truth. The best way to know the truth is to abide in the word. Not just occasionally visit the word, but to abide in the word, to live in the word. If I had not been exposed uh, by this company, uh, this telecommunications company, to the fact that these people have been you know, running around and trying to, to lie to us, I would have fallen victim to such a lie. So we need to abide in the word, and we will know the truth, and the truth liberates us. Many believers fall into deception and destruction when they don't pay attention to God's word. I think uh, many of you are familiar with a case that is currently going on in one of the neighboring countries, it's uh, headlines now, about a cult uh, with followers that basically were led astray. Um, and up to now, I think they, are, you know, they were led astray to their deaths, unfortunately. 
and many of them were children, uh, women. And the, the last time I checked, I think there were over 200 people who'd lost their lives. And if you listen to the rhetoric that this uh, so-called pastor had given this congregation, most of it was so obviously wrong. How can we be led astray so obviously? So this is an extreme example. The, you know, what I'm quoting might be extreme example. But the reality, if we examine our lives very carefully, we'll notice that there are areas where we need to grow in truth, we need to grow in freedom. Are you somebody who is always worried and anxious? That is a sign that you're not totally free. Do you have constant challenges that come and, you know, over and over again, constant challenges in your relationships with yourself? Do you struggle to trust God in every area of your life? So there are opportunities in these areas for growth, um, and discipleship really speaks into that. Okay, so abiding in the word, you will know the truth, it will set you uh, free. The other result of abiding in the word is your life is transformed. Um, and the reality is we always praise God for a converted uh, people. When people are converted, when they are born again, we celebrate and we thank God for that. It's the greatest miracle, really, this side of earth. But the sad thing is many, many Christians get born again and then they get stuck. They don't get transformed. They remain the same. For years and years and years, they struggle with the same issues. Uh, they are Christians, they are believers, but they are moving nowhere. So these are signs really that you're not abiding in the word the way that you should be. At least it's not having an effect on you. So when you, are, um, when you immerse yourself in the word of God in a healthy way, then it is guaranteed to change the way that you think. Patrick gave a very powerful testimony about you know, how for many years he's gone through this torment in his life and he's been set free out of that because of the power of living in the presence of God, of believing the word of the Lord. And it's one of the most frequent testimonies that we hear actually from people who go through discipleship classes here in Luboa. The fact that their eyes are open to the truth about who they are, about their potential, about what they can accomplish. Before that, it's a very closed mindset. So, uh, that's another result of abiding in the word. Another result is that you'll be very, very stable. You'll be very stable. You can survive very difficult times when you abide in the word of God. When you have this mentality of a discipleship on the inside of you, you are very, very stable. You can really survive almost, I would say, tests in life. Um, I want to use an analogy here that maybe might make sense. I think most people here, or all people here, have been through an education system of sorts. Um, either through a school system, or you're going through it anyway. And I want to say this very carefully with respect to education systems and so on, but you know, the, the, the formal education systems that we have, in a sense, can be beaten you can beat them. I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, but I know in the times I was in university, in school, there are people who would do nothing until the last week of exams. And then they sit up all night and they read and read and read, and then they pass the exam. Anybody experience that? And here you are, you've been faithfully reading, faithfully doing your homework, and you barely pass. So there is a way in which, you know, people can kind of beat the formal system. But in real life, it doesn't happen like that. 
If you have not been implanting yourself in the word of God, when the storms of life come, it's going to show very, very quickly. And what a lot of Christians do is either you run around and look for somebody who has had time to implant the word of God in them, and then you rely on them to help rescue out of that situation, or you basically fall apart, which is also not a healthy way of living. So our, our heart as um, people who are really um, developing this mentality of discipleship is to really boost us and, and reinforce in us the ability to withstand powerful storms that come our way. Jesus made mention of this in a parable that he gave about the wise man and the foolish man. Uh, I'm not going to go into it. You can read it in your own time. It's in Luke chapter 6. And he said, you know, there are two men. One was wise, one was foolish. Both of them built their houses. Okay, please note, both of them actually built your, their houses. So it's possible to build your house as a foolish person. It's also possible to build your house as a wise person. And they completed the houses. Both houses were subject to terrible storms. Again, it's a common denominator, irrespective of whether you built your house solidly or not, it is subject to storms. However, the one that could not be shaken had a very, very strong foundation. It was very well built. And Jesus explains that such a person is compared to a person who has been continuously hearing my word and obeying it, living in it, abiding in it. Okay? The foolish person, by the way, also hears the word. Okay, if you read the parable, it says the same thing. They also hear the word, but their intent is really not to follow in it or to walk in it. So the distinction, really, if we are to survive the storms of life, is to make sure that we are continuously embedded in the word of God, abiding in the word of God, continuing in the word of God. Okay? So if you are not feeding off God's word, I guarantee you, you're probably feeding off something else. And it will show up very, very soon what you're feeding on. Okay? So let's feed on the word of God. That is a solid foundation. By the way, you are never too old and you're never too young to study the word of God in a consistent and deliberate way. You're never too old, never too young to study the word of God uh, continuously. This is like saying that you're too old to eat. You know, the day you say you're too old to eat, you need to make plans to exit. Or that you're too young to eat. It doesn't work like that. Eating is continuous. For as long as you live on this earth, you have a body to maintain. So in the same way, as long as we are on this earth, we also have a, an attitude and a heart to maintain, and that is maintained by the word of God. Okay? So um, discipleship, the culture of discipleship, painting a picture. We are thinking about commitment. We think about abiding in his word um, and the results of abiding in his word. The other aspect of being a disciple is that we develop the nature and the character of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We develop the nature and the character of Jesus Christ. When we are born again, we are born with the spiritual DNA of our Father. That's a reality. It's in the Bible. We are born of the incorruptible Word of God. So we have his spiritual DNA. Uh, and just like a newborn baby grows up to resemble the parents in features and so on because they have their DNA, we are also destined to do that. We are destined really to, um, to live um, uh, out our character and our nature according to the way that Jesus lived his character and his nature. 
But this is not an automatic thing, and this is very important to realize. It's not automatic. Just because you are born again uh, of incorruptible seed, just because somebody has laid hands on you does not automatically mean that you inherit the character and the nature, you manifest the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. That is something that needs deliberate effort. Okay? So the Holy Spirit produces Christ-likeness in us when he goes to work in us. When we are submitted to this discipleship process, when submitted to him continuously, he shapes us and molds us and changes our character so that we are shaped continuously to be like Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, when we have unveiled faces, when we behold the glory of the Lord, whether it's in his word, in his actions, in what he's done, when we behold, when we fix our eyes on him, then we are transformed continuously into his image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. So we develop his nature, his character, and we, of course, become fruitful. The way that he was fruitful, we also become fruitful. And that is, um, you know, the details of that fruit is mentioned in Galatians 5.22. You begin to manifest love, um, peace, patience, kindness. And these things, you know, over time, they almost become automatic. They become a part of you. And this is the heart of a disciple, um, really. And then the last one that I will look at is we influence others. We influence others. The heart of a disciple, um, the culture that we're trying to nurture here, is the ability to influence others. Remember that we are accepted and transformed to bring God's kingdom into the world, into the world that we live in, into our world. So that means part of that is really influencing others for the kingdom of God. So the culture of discipleship aims and seeks to influence others with a message of the good news, irrespective of where you are, you can still reach others with a good news, with a message of the good news. You can bring hope, you can bring healing, you can bring peace in troubled times, and all these interventions you do because you have the heart of a disciple. It almost becomes automatic for you. Okay? Um, and then we see this time and time again, people who go through discipleship in various forms, um, they, they learn how to walk the walk. They learn how to walk in the word. Uh, they learn how to operate in the word, in the power of the word. And they learn how to see, they see it applied in their lives as well as how it can be applied in other people's lives. We have many testimonies of people who've gone through discipleship um, and they have, they have helped to set people free. Um, they have helped to people to receive salvation. They have helped people to be healed. They are people who've laid hands on others and they have been healed. We have had testimonies of people who have gone through discipleship and they have been equipped to then go and disciple other people. That's what actually happens as you go through a very deliberate discipleship um, system. And this is clearly demonstrated even in the Bible. When you look at the followers of Jesus, many of them started off really in, in um, situations that were not, how do you say, highly qualified, eh? Very, very basic. You look at somebody like Matthew, the tax collector. He was transformed to become Matthew, the gospel writer. To this day, his, his, you know, his, his gospel is read throughout um, churches, influencing us. You think of Peter, the fisherman. Very brash, very aggressive. Became Peter, the shepherd of a church, the early church. Paul, who was a Pharisee. Very religious, very, you know, uh, very particular. His life was changed. 
and he became Paul the Apostle and went on to influence many, many Gentile nations um, as a result of what happened in his life. There are many other examples. People like Stephen started off just doing hospitality, the way you serve tables at, you know, at the end of the service became the first matter. To this day, one of the greatest examples of Christianity. The Bible says he was full of grace and performed mighty miracles. So the power of the gospel, when we are very committed to it as disciples, when we are focused on really learning from the Lord Jesus Christ, impacts us, changes us, enables us to then go and influence others. Not in a way that is negative or is abrasive or is, um, you know, off-putting, but in a way that is really full of grace. Um, you impact others. Uh, you bring health, healing, and wholeness, and the things that really God wants to bring to his people. You become an agent for that because of this heart of being a disciple. So I'm going to stop there, um, and it is my prayer that each one of us will really pursue this call to be a disciple of the Lord, not just be part of the crowd uh, or, or part of the once in a while paying attention to Jesus, but really somebody who has developed the heart of a disciple. Um, and in KSC Leboa, there are various ways in which we try and enable this culture. Uh, we, of course, have the discipleship classes that take place normally at the end of the service or after the service, but we also have home groups. Um, if you're not in one and you'd like to start one, um, these are very great nurturing environments to be able to apply the word, to learn the word, and to see how you can apply it and, and minister to others um, in, you know, um, as you learn of it. There are fellowships. Um, we have men's breakfast. We have ladies' groups, uh, youth groups. We have children's ministries. Um, and then we also have, you know, Trina is not here, but Trina does a really good job of providing resources for discipleship, where you can actually take a resource, a book, or a or a daily devotion, and apply yourself to learning the word in a, consistent, uh, in a consistent way. So all these are available here to really try and nature this culture of discipleship. Amen? Amen. 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 So I hope you've been blessed. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and my, my prayer and my hope is really that uh, you can engage with this culture. Um, and you can uh, really apply yourself to it um, in order to really go to the level that Christ wants to, that Christ has promised for his disciples. The Lord is faithful to do this in us. Amen. So let's stand up and pray even as we finish. And if you're here, perhaps you've never really committed your life to the Lord, there's always a wonderful opportunity to do that. We always welcome um, those who want to give their lives to the Lord. This might be a turning point for you. Um, or if you're here and you really want to engage more in uh, discipleship, we are always here. We can talk with you um, and see how that can also work for you. Um, so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we have had this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this culture of discipleship. Thank you for the promises and the pictures that you've painted about discipleship in your word. And Lord, we ask for help that even as we step out today and indeed every day of our lives, that our hearts will be committed uh, to you, to following you, and that we will follow you wherever you lead us. 
um, become effective disciples in your kingdom. Father, we pray knowing that without you, it is impossible, but with you, all things are indeed possible. I pray into this congregation, into KIC Loboa, that even as we nature this culture, Lord, that your spirit will indeed work with us as you have promised. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Amen. You are blessed. Um, there's tea and coffee, and you can talk to somebody about something that has touched you in the course of today. Otherwise, have a great and blessed week. Amen. Thank you.